Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang, for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. It is the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast. Just two more games remaining in the regular season, and then conference tournament time is here. White Merle, Ryan Mitchell with you here to recap the weekend that was and uh, just kind of set the scene for the week to come. Of course, we'll have a preview pod and go over all the games in the regular season finales, but uh, certainly a lot uh, to look forward to as well. But Lots of recap as well. Ryan, what a weekend it was. You actually got a chance to call some games again. Was it uh, tough getting back in the saddle a little bit, or was it nothing to it? You just hopped right in and picked up where you left off from. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. It was a wild weekend um, out at the Erickson Center, and I know it was so many other places in the UMAC. So, yeah, I can't complain. Well, here's the deal. We got to start there. I know we, uh, you know, usually just pick uh, one side, whether it's the men's or the women's side, and go. But what a day it was at the Erickson Center on Saturday specifically, and we can talk a little bit about Friday as well if you want. But I mean, Northwestern, both on the men's side and the women's side, on Friday night took care of business against Northland. So I don't think there's a ton to talk about. But what a game it was. First off in the men's game, and then the women's game, the perfect season comes to an end, so I feel like we got to start right there. Those were the two biggest results of the weekend for the most part. There were some other games that were really good too, but I want to just talk about a couple of the big things that took place. First off, in that men's game, let's just call it what it is. I guess I don't know. I I don't think you thought it was a foul at the end of the game, but I certainly didn't think it was watching that game, and not one play decides the outcome of a game by any means, but... As Javon Walker's driving to the rim, I don't know how you call a foul in that situation when Kyle's got his hands in the air, K-Mink, that is, for Northwestern. What were your thoughts seeing that develop and maybe just the game as a whole? Because obviously it's tough when it ends like that, but what a basketball game it was. Yeah, I mean, since you you bring up the end of it, I'll, I'll start there because that's top of mind when you're walking through that. and. You know, Northwestern takes the lead for, for those who weren't watching that game with, with six seconds left. Uh, they, they called a timeout to drop their own play after Superior had gone ahead. They're up 70 to 69, and Northwestern uh, calls a timeout with about 18 seconds left in the game. Um, Eagles get some action moving towards the lane. Seth stops with it, churns, and just hits Micah, and he just shoots a baseline jump shot, makes it, Posternich that is, um, with six seconds left. And the Jackets got to go the length of the whole floor, and clearly their objective was just get the ball to Javon Walker, and he's just going to go full court as fast as he can and try to make something happen, either draw a foul or finish in the lane. And he was really good in a lot of spots uh, for the Jackets. I mean, his his best part of the game was the last uh, six, seven minutes easily for uh, some of the takes he had to the rim and some finishes that he had. But... Yeah, it's, it's tough um, in those spots for the referees. I don't want to act like it's easy by any stretch, but if you watch that ball game, it was very, very physical mm-hmm. in the purple. In the paint, there's a lot of stuff that 
was not called, and I, I didn't think it was bad that it wasn't called. It's just there's a lot of physicality where we just played on. And both Coach Blokowski and Coach Gross multiple times, especially in the second half, were uh, wanting an explanation. I guess I'll just put it that way, where play continued and they wanted a whistle and they didn't get it. So we kind of felt like, okay, these guys are going to be allowed to play to a certain level of physicality, and that's what it is. And I thought it was pretty straight up for both sides in that matter. And when a guy does that late in the game, I know so many people say, okay, an official's got to swallow their whistle and they got to let the players decide it. I can understand that to a certain extent. If there's enough contact in the player, specifically I'm talking about the guy who has the ball, initiates enough contact, you have no decision but to make a call, okay? Well, he had scored through contact multiple times and had plays in the game right at Kyle Kamek, who he went at on this play, where there was contact. It would That was not the case, though, with two seconds left. Mm-hmm. If you finish going at the guy's chin and you're going to the hoop, that's one thing. But when you are fading away and you don't initiate the contact and the other guy is, I mean, I won't go as far as to say like he's just giving you a shot and just saying that whatever happens, happens. But Kyle wasn't anywhere near to trying to block the shot. He's just putting his hands up. And I guess maybe the only thing you can nitpick, and I don't even think this, you know, would have necessarily changed anything is, oh, he should have jumped more and been vertical. But he basically just said, I'm going to make him make the shot and I'm just going to put my hands up so the officials see my hands. And if he makes it, they win. And if not, we win. And those were not the only two results because they called a foul on a play where there was next to nothing. And give Javon credit because then he made two free throws with everyone in the gym yelling and whatnot. And it, it was basically no doubt. Like, I got this. Makes the first one and he's just telling everyone, just get back. Don't worry about it. We're not going for the rebound. Like, I'm going to make this. We're going to go up and Northwestern's going to have to come up with a miracle with, you know, second and a half, two seconds, whatever it was to win the ball game. So, yeah, that's that's a lot I know on the last play and we can, you know, do whatever you want on the rest of the game. But tough way to end a game that was um, very compelling and a lot of great adjustments made by both sides um, in the second half and what Superior did with their pressure to get Northwestern into some uncomfortable spots and how the Eagles made them pay on a couple of those spots and different guys that you wouldn't expect stepping up late in the game and so many other layers for it to end that way was it was unfortunate. But, again, give Javon credit. He made the free throws and he put the officials in a spot and, and it worked out for the Jackets. Well, so that's what I don't understand at the end, though. You mentioned Kyle just kind of let him go, and he had his hands in the air. So why was it such a circus shot, too? Like, it looked like if he wanted to, he could have maybe just laid it in. I don't feel like he was really impacted at all. So I guess I didn't understand that part of it. And on the second side, you're right. you got to give him credit. He knocked down the free throws and made the shots when he needed to. But I, I, I was surprised he didn't go up stronger, like right at the rim. He kind of just took an off-balance shot. I'm not sure if that was part of trying to get the call. And at the same time, the ref wasn't in a bad position, right? So I'm curious what he saw either. I mean, he was where he was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the ref there is waiting for the play to come right at him as Javon's streaking down the floor. And I think, you know, you said it pretty close to what I would say as far as he was doing it in a way to sell it. And Mm -hmm your body can also maybe get more out of control when you are in a full sprint. I mean, he's going from the opposite free throw line all the way to the other side of the floor. So you can say he's just going so fast. As soon as he lets it go, he's going to go flying in the air, regardless of what contact there is or there isn't. But 
I don't, you know, think we're we would <laughs> get an exact answer if you asked him, but I think yeah. part of his head with how much basketball he's played, it's like that's how you do it. So if I don't make the shot, there's at least a chance they blow the whistle. And if I can help nudge the official into that direction of blowing the whistle, then let's do it. So I know, you know, Eagles fans, coaches, and especially Kyle were upset and didn't understand it, you know, in that moment and then after the game as well because it's like, okay, it didn't match the rest of the game. But they all know and they've all been part of moments too where it doesn't make sense and it happens from time to time. And, again, it's a tough job for the officials, but – Still, I think they uh, they missed that one. So lastly, on this game specifically, here, here's the deal. There's a lot of different outcomes that could happen in the final weekend, and I understand there's a possibility both these teams still could get the one seed theoretically if things were to play out. There's a chance they both could miss the playoffs too, so there's a lot that could happen. But I think the most likely scenario is this is going to be a rematch in the semifinals. That's just the way I see things playing out. So with that being the case, what was compelling to you when watching this matchup? You touched on a couple of things already, but you were in the gym. You got to watch it for a full 40 minutes. It was a great game, like I said, throughout its entirety. What was compelling about this matchup, and what kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, to go back to what I said earlier, the the adjustments that each side made and the one that pops off the page, um, I guess it was more so just watching it um, on Saturday in the gym. I don't know if it was, you know, 7.15, 7.30. It was just over seven minutes left is when Superior first introduced some pressure. And, you know, if Northwestern threw it in the corner, which they did a lot on the initial pass, they're going to send a trap and then try to get a steal off of that. And it didn't always work, but there was a time when Javon um, picked the pocket. I think it was uh, Hoyleen, I want to say, and laid it in to put him in front. And then they had another one where he eventually got it and laid it in. And they had um, one of them where... Northwestern eventually turned it over once they did get across the timeline, but they were still scrambling with guys chasing from behind. But then there was one where Northwestern broke the press. Henry threw an unbelievable, excuse me, Caleb threw an awesome pass to Henry, that being Henry Fambula, and he laid it in for an and one. And then there's one where the Eagles got it across and the Jackets are scrambling and Seth was the trailer and he had a massive three. So, I mean, there was a stretch of three, four minutes. It's like, and I said it, I said, I hope they press every time the rest of the game because every one of these is ending on like a wow steal and then a bucket or it's ending on a, a Northwestern bucket the other way where Superior can't reset. But that changed the complexion and kind of threw Northwestern a little out of their rhythm. Now they still got it back and had a couple huge possessions late to get themselves in a spot where, again, they were ahead with just over six seconds to go. But yeah, two really really um evenly matched squads and superior had different guys step up at different times i mean a guy that i knew next to nothing about andrew cornelius i mean i knew next to nothing about that guy and he had a really nice stretch like i said javon came on late joseph was the dude in the first half northwestern did a good job to slow him down in the second half but picking pops for fair in the first half were deadly the eagles weren't getting out on him and he was making a pay uh kyle had a, a nice day he, he'd probably tell you he could maybe do more mm-hmm. in that spot but I think the Eagles for sure got enough because the game wasn't played the way that it was in Superior and we knew both offenses were capable of more but it wasn't like a totally different ball game where hey first time it was a defensive struggle and this time it's a shootout so 
Yeah, really well played game, but uh, unfortunately, and I would say this even if Northwestern won it in that way, Wyatt, unfortunately, what most people only will be talking about is what happened in the last four seconds and not yeah. everything else. Which, like you said, I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, even if it's a call like that or just something else right at the end of the game, I, I've never liked that either, where that takes away from the entirety of what a great game was. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And so, well, it, no, go ahead. Sorry, I, and I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know the last time this late in the season we've had such a big swing game. True. Because let's, let's say it's not called, and let's say Northwestern hangs on. They're two up on Superior. They're most likely not going to catch them. Northwestern is essentially playing for the one seed on Friday night in Mankato. Yep. And instead, it's Superior who's tied with them but has the tiebreaker over them and still has everything open, and it's like – Northwestern went from, yeah, you could make a serious argument they could get the one, to now if certain things fall accordingly, they may miss the postseason altogether. Yeah. So I don't remember the last time with three games left that there's been a game like that with that much swing on it in one contest. And I may just be misremembering something, and I'm, you know, obviously closer following Northwestern, but that was. I mean, you you couldn't have more on the line, essentially, in a ball game like that with just three games left to go. Well, so as long as you bring it up, so here's where we're at. Bethany's 10-2. and two, They've clinched a spot. They, they still haven't clinched the one, per se. They'd have to lose both games. There'd have to be some stuff that goes against them, let's say, to not get the one. But they've clinched a spot. They're more than likely going to be the one. you got Superior Northwestern, both 8-4, and four, and then North Central Morris, both 7-5. and five. So those are the five teams kind of at this point. Because even though Crown won both their games, and we'll get to them here in a little bit, they're 5-7, and seven, and even with two wins uh, just with how it plays out I, I don't even know if it's technically possible for them to sneak in because Morris and Superior play each other and then uh, North Central you know they have a game against Martin Luther so uh, you know they need North Central to lose to Martin Luther basically and, and then Morris would have to lose to Northland and, and lose their other yeah. game. so so they're basically out of it is what I'm saying and, and so you got five teams fighting for four spots at, at this point any one of those four teams can miss the playoffs so it's extremely compelling that's why that swing game was such, such a big deal like you mentioned. So a lot on the line, great game. It, it is what it is that it came down and ended the way it did. But like I said, I have a feeling we'll see those two teams play against each other in postseason play. Let's stay on the men's side. We'll get back to the Erickson Center on Saturday and uh, the perfect season coming to an end. But on the men's side, we've already touched on Northwestern. I don't really have anything to add from their game against Northland. If you do feel free, but otherwise superior, what made it so impressive on Saturday is that they lost on Friday night, Ryan. And so they're able to bounce back and beat Northwestern on Saturday. That's incredible. That game against North Central, which we knew was going to be a good one, doesn't go in their favor. They give up a halftime lead, end up losing the game. And sure enough, Micah Filer, he's the one that leads the way. We said he had to have a big game. That's just pretty common sense at this point. Doesn't come off the court. Scores 26, lights it up, almost has a double-double. And North Central gets a statement win. More impressed with North Central in that spot, or, uh, I mean, you can't even really be disappointed in Superior. I mean, they gave up the lead, but it's got to be extremely impressive looking at that result, I would assume. At least I'm impressed looking at that result from North Central. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Micah leading the way, Micah Filer, that is, and 10 of 15 and not leaving the floor, like you said, and being 3 of 6 from deep. Those are all great numbers. Nine rebounds is what sticks out to me more than anything. I mean, Superior on Saturday against Northwestern had 21 boards in the first half alone. They had 25 for the game on Friday night. We talked about it coming in, how they were bullied on the glass badly 
out in Superior when North Central took them down on the road, and they knew that, and they're trying to change the script in this ball game, and they're having difficulties defending without fouling. I mean, you got Moberg and Barker who both foul out. They're saying we're not going to let some of your leading shooters beat us. They forced Moberg to shoot 14 times, and yet the underclassman scores 10 points. Or I think he's a junior. My apologies. He, he scores 10 points and has four assists. Like He's okay, but if you're North Central coming in and you say he's going to shoot the ball more than anyone else, you're taking that. Like That's what you want. And the guy you need to perform performs at his highest level, and it feels like the best running mate to him in so many games this year is Tanner Holtman. I mean, give credit to him, 8 of 13, 4 of 7 from downtown. So, uberly impressive, excuse me, White, on a night where they had to have it. It wasn't just the shooting that was there at a ridiculous 57%. North Central, I think, only missed 10 shots total in the whole second half of this bowl game. So, when it was winning time at home in a game they had to have, realistically, to keep their season alive when they were down by a 5 going into the locker room, I don't know what Coach Becker and his assistant said to their club, but it was message received, and it was a second half to remember for North Central to come up with that win. Yeah, like you said, I mean, that's a huge win for them to keep things rolling in the right direction, and then they obviously finished it off on senior day the next day. So what a weekend for them. They uh, they, they did what they needed to do and have put themselves in a great spot. Still work to be done but uh, still keeping them in the hunt for a playoff spot, and it'll certainly make a couple of very compelling games this upcoming weekend for them. On the flip side, we already talked about Superior. Listen, if we had a team of a week, North Central would be a candidate for it, but my vote would go to Crown. Do you agree with that, with what they did this weekend? What a performance against Bethany. Who would be your team of the week on the men's side? Oh, man. I mean, you know, North Central has more on the line and more pressure, but I'm, you know, not trying to take anything away from what crown did. Cause that was very impressive. I mean, I think I would still lean the Rams just because there's more pressure on them and they had to come up with two wins and they did, and they did it in an impressive way when it hasn't been easy for them the last chunk of weeks. But I mean, you know, you just kind of shake your head wide. At least I do like, what would have been different if they would have won that double overtime game in Mankato yeah. earlier this season? Or what would have been different if Cade would have been back one UMAC game earlier and they would have got Samoa? We can play the what-if game till we're there's, blue in the there's face. There's a lot they, of what-ifs with Crown this year. <laughs> Unfortunately for them going into the offseason, that's what they're going to be talking about. Yeah, and you, know, you live and die by the three ball. We've said it so much with this squad. I mean, shooting 44% and 47% total from the field. They needed it because they were not good really at all from the free throw line. But, man, oh, man, this is why we talked about Kate Carroll so much. And yeah. we were questioning at some point, like, was he a legit candidate that we should have had for a repeat? Well, yeah, I think that validates it. From what he did Friday night, he only leaves the floor for three minutes, 32 and 14. I mean, dead eye from downtown. He, he was everything you wanted him to be. When Bethany knew coming in, Wyatt, we cannot let him get hot from deep like he did in our gym last month. And they knew all that, and they saw the tape and reviewed that and game plan to stop him, and it still didn't matter. So all the credit to them. Bethany had a lot of good looks down the stretch that they couldn't hit when this game was still in the balance, and then Kate had an and one that really was the dagger in the ball game. And, yeah, I, I said it coming in. I mean, looking back on you know what the whole weekend was, if you want to call it the Super Bowl for Crown, I think that's what it was. Was mm-hmm. was that game against Bethany, and their season hasn't gone the way they would have liked it to. And yeah, Senior Day was the next day, but 
for so many guys that have meant a lot to that program, that that win is uh, probably going to be at the top of the list for this season. Yeah, they're my team of the week for sure just because uh, of the way they played against Bethany to get that win and maybe making some of their threes actually allowed them to get inside a little bit more too and have some success as well. They made a lot of twos in this game also, so that always helps when you can extend the defense out a little bit. But you you, you said Cade Carroll repeat for player of the year. He didn't win it last year, remember, Ryan? I know you wanted him to win it. but he No, no, didn't. no, I wasn't. Yeah, repeat for being in the conversation. I know. Gotcha, gotcha. I I just wanted to make sure that we moved on from that because I know you uh, yeah. you you thought he should have won. I've, I I hear you. I've moved on. I hear you. I'm, but, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it open for you to uh, shout out somebody though. In this game specifically, you're saying? Yeah. Well, I know who you're thinking uh, on Crown side of things. I'm going to guess we're going to number twelve, Carter Bainey, Correct. Yeah, I mean, could you say my, this my is River one guy? of my Elk River guy? One, one of if not the best performance he's had in his career yeah I mean, look honestly, at those numbers considering the magnitude of the game for them like you said it was kind of their super bowl weekend and he was extremely efficient uh five of ten from the field knocking down three triples scoring in double digits he isn't really a guy and they got a lot of guys that can score ryan and they can score in double figures he's not really a guy you look to or need that from necessarily but when you get it it makes all the difference. You, you know, he's a guy that comes off the bench. So that was a huge game. Also grabbed seven, seven boards, boards. So that's yeah. the other thing that yeah. really sticks out. So he absolutely deserves a shout out. What a game from him and just crown in general. Like, like I said, huge win for them. Great performance. And uh, on the flip side, you know, I had made a comment recently. I can't remember what it was, but maybe make Bethany try to play through Nielsen a little bit. Here's the deal. He shot nine of 15, but for whatever reason, him shooting the most shots out of anybody on the team, they only scored 74 points. They slowed him down for whatever reason. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. know. Maybe there is a little something to that. Uh, and, again, he was really efficient, had a great game, but normally he's only taken five, six, seven shots a game. He's all the way up at 15 in this one, and they lose the game. And, again, nothing to his fault, but I, I just find that interesting. I don't know if there's something to that or why that would be, or maybe it's just a coincidence, but I, I feel like – they don't play through him as much, and in this case, they did. And for whatever reason, Crown was able to beat him. So, again, I don't know if there's anything to that. I just find it interesting. Yeah, we've talked about it in the past, and, you know, you brought it up of that should be their strategy defensively, and there's some reasons behind it. And if you look at what the only other team who had beaten them going into this game did to them, I mean, Northwestern did a really good job defending the three ball. Crown did it at another level. I mean, who would have thought going into that game, Wyatt, that Bethany would shoot 1 of 16 from deep? So, yeah, yeah you let Nielsen and Patterson get theirs. They're both 9 of 15. But the dead-eye shooters who can really get going, like Shrupp off the bench and Madsen and Sagdahl and Ackley sometimes, all those guys are just listed. They win a combined 0 for 13 from deep. Yeah. So you, you just you just said it's not going to happen for you guys shooting as you're accustomed to. And, yeah, we'll give you the buckets from Nielsen inside here and there and Patterson probing, and we're going to take our chances. And clearly it worked. So I think that's something to look at, Wyatt, as we move forward into this final weekend. And we'll talk about this later, obviously, but then into the postseason as well. well Make and- Bethany beat you from somewhere else than deep and, and see if you can win the game. Here's the other scary thing. Like you said, see if you can win the game. They shot one of 16 from three, and they still almost won this game on the road. Like, that's that's just where Bethany is at. So if you're a Vikings fan, I mean, that's that's how you could turn it and flip it and look, still feel good look about at yourself. The, look at the free throw numbers. Yeah, 
That's the other thing, too. And again, Crown didn't shoot free throws well either, so I don't know what was going on with that. Just uh, not not working at the whack, I guess, in, I, in this I one. Mean, but. Yeah, and, and folks listening know that, you know, I have all the respect and admiration for Mason Ackley. I've been sitting his praises throughout the season, but only 7-5, and five and he goes 1 of 6 from the line? 1 of 6? Yeah. I, what? What? I mean... I was doing other stuff at this time. I didn't see the game, but I mean, what happened? And then a guy like Sagdahl, who's basically money, Patterson, a great foul shooter, they go a combined eight for 15. I mean, what what was happening? There's always that mental aspect of it, too, when some of the shots aren't falling for you, whether it's from the field or even at the free throw line where, you know, it gets in your head after a while. And even when one guy misses, it can make it tougher on the other guy you know when that starts to happen I mean that absolutely is a real thing so clearly I think that's a case of what happened here in this one and yeah even with all of that Ryan they still almost won the game so I think that's just how good Bethany is this year and just where they're at however they come back then the next day and almost give up another game and this would this would have been a huge swing game as well if this went in favor you talk about swing games this goes in favor of Minnesota Morris we're looking at things in a completely different uh, sight of mind and, and just viewpoint because Morris would be sitting at eight and five or eight and four, and Bethany at nine and three very much would still be in the conversation and not be the one seed. But they get the win now, they're sitting pretty good. What another game! I mean, what a weekend of basketball, especially on the men's side that we had in the UMAC. This game was no exception to that, yeah. And it was kind of different. I mean, Crown shot really well, and we're doing well out of the gates, and they found a way to, you know, not coast to coast dominate. I mean, obviously, it was tight down the stretch, but, but Morris had to really find a way late. I mean, they're down by 12 with 16 minutes to go in the game. They got to figure out something a few minutes into the second half. Bethany quickly gets it back into double figures again, and Morris had to have some late magic. I mean, with 10 minutes left in the ball game, they're down by 11 at 63-52, and then they start to get it going, and they have an awesome day from some guys on the bench and go on a huge run to then tie things up with just under six minutes to go. They take a lead with four and change to go, and then they go back and forth all the way down to the wire where Morris had an opportunity down just two with a minute to go in the ball game, and then nobody scores in the last minute. So they wish, obviously, they could have some sequences back. But, yeah, you're right, Wyatt. I mean, Bethany's really good. We're not trying to take anything away from them. Mm-hmm. But the last time they played these two teams, both games went to the extra time, and they won both of them. Yeah. Now when they see them on the road, they split, and it very easily could have been 0-2. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the three ball was better at 7 of 21, but they could see a Morris again in the playoffs, and it's going to be they can score with you. And I'm not acting like there's no resistance defensively, but – you look at this thing wide and you say if you're Morris, man, if we could have just had a C game from Noah Conageezer or get a little something more from a guy like Jarrett Johnson who typically puts up bigger numbers, we're winning this game. Yeah. I mean, Noah, Noah scores four points and isn't even a factor, period. And that's why I said the bench was so good for that stretch to put them on that run to get them lead in the second half. I mean – they're hoping, obviously, they still get in, and then they'll forget about all this. But imagine if they don't get in. Yeah. And they look back at this game, and they say, that should have been ours. Well, so here, here's what I'm going to ask you, too. I mean, it's pretty straightforward as far as Noah Conagheezer, he's got to be a guy that does more, right? I mean, he hasn't really had a game yeah. like this where he's only scored four points, but he's had a couple of games here or there where it, he hasn't had his best stuff. If they want to make any kind streaky. of a run, if they need to, or if they want to make any kind of run, he's got to be a guy. And, you know, there's been times, like you said, he's been streaky. So 
I, I think that's pretty straightforward. We both agree with that. And at the same time, you know, there's always good things to look at in a loss, and there's a lot of things that they can feel good about. But the bottom line is, Ryan, they're going to be fighting for their lives next week and now where they could have been feeling pretty good about themselves had they won this game. So it's... Uh, and going on the road. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have to do it on the road, which, hey, for them, you could argue, if you look back at their schedule, maybe they're more comfortable there. I mean, their first three wins, right? I mean, it all goes back to that and how they started conference play. So... Absolutely, and uh, we'll see if they can do just that, get it done, and secure playoffs. But also, shout out to Coach Grove on, it was number 250, correct? And, I mean, that's a heck of an accomplishment, winning 250 career games. So uh, that's that's a big deal for him. So he got that done, uh, I believe, then that would have been in their game uh, against uh, Martin Luther on uh, Friday night. So not the way he wanted the weekend to end by any means on Saturday, but still a pretty cool moment on Friday night for them. So that was cool. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and it was just the door was open for everyone going into Saturday. Yeah. With Crown winning and what we talked about coming in, how that would help Northwestern, Superior, Morris. And some teams cashed in more than others, and specifically Superior cashed in. But, man, it was almost wide open if, if, if Morris beat them as well, like what we just talked about. But other, other squads can't complain because for so much of the season, we've been saying, oh, is it even going to get to the point where you have a chance? You had it gaping chance and Northwestern's feeling that more than anyone of the chance that they had where they controlled their own destiny to having the one seat again and now things are a lot more complicated with what happened in the last five seconds of their game on Saturday well so you know it's interesting because uh, you can look at it from a lot of different teams viewpoints but if I'm North Central I almost was cheering for Northwestern to beat Superior you know what I mean because then that drops another team to seven and five and you you know you have a chance potentially to pass another team right now instead superior northwestern they're both eight and four and you know you're probably going to stay behind them now so they probably were hoping for northwestern to win that game and on the flip side again everybody's hoping for different teams to win here or there but one thing everybody can agree on is that they wanted crown to beat bethany like you said northwestern superior more specifically but other than that everybody else was kind of cheering for different teams and it was just amazing fascinating how things kind of played out so here we are. It's going to be a heck of a upcoming weekend with, you know, those eight games Friday and Saturday. And quite frankly, with how the schedule lines up. And again, we'll get into this in the preview pod. But a lot of games on Friday are the ones that are the most compelling. You know what I mean? Like like from yep. a viewpoint, I think the two biggest games of the weekend are the ones on Friday. And there's two good ones on Saturday, too, by all means. But to me, the best two games are on Friday. So it's just interesting to know that going into Saturday, there still might be some stuff left up for grabs, but at the same time, we might have things for the most part locked up at that point too. Yeah, I and we'll talk about that in the preview, like you said, but results Friday, we're going to know a lot about what it's going to be set like. And you think like if a Bethany wins Friday, is that what North Central wants where they're maybe not pressing the gas at 100% on Saturday because then they'll have everything signed, sealed, delivered, wrapped. If you beat Northwestern on Friday, you could say the cliche of there's nothing to play for on Saturday. And maybe North Central then has a better chance to beat them in a game that they maybe possibly could could need to win in order to get in. Well, I was going to say, so then do you look at it, if you're Coach Garvin, from the standpoint of who do we want to play in the first round? Because if you don't want to play North Central, then maybe you do play your guys the entire game and nothing changes. 
Yeah, and basically we can, and we'll talk about this in the preview pod, but you can disregard and throw out the first time they played each other. Micah Filer didn't play. Yeah. So you, we, we know nothing about that matchup is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, coaches would disagree with the statement. I just, oh, we know this, this, it. No, you don't. I'm sorry. For our purposes and what we're looking at, if Micah didn't play, we don't know anything. Well, here's the deal. There's a lot of teams you can never write off in this conference for different reasons. Uh, North Central, it's pretty clear. They have an elite scorer, arguably the best scorer in the conference on their team. So therefore, they're always going to have a chance to be in a game with him because he can get hot at any given moment and just ride that to uh you know uh, uh, the the winning platform you know what i mean so uh, i i i agree i think uh, that'll be a really compelling game and there could be a lot on the line so it should be good we will definitely discuss all that in the preview not a lot to say about uh, martin luther northland if if you want to add anything feel free but again uh for the knights they'll have two more cracks at it to get a win northland uh you know they were practically they were in the same boat as crown coming into the weekend they would have had to have won both and had a lot go their way so they were basically eliminated too and i mean they had two really tough games you could argue it's the toughest road stretch in the conference when you go at northwestern north central so it is what it is for them they had some stretches and i'll just say i'm looking forward to seeing langston flowers i hope he's back next year i don't know all the eligibility and whatnot but he dude can play because i know about jordan brennan but i've never really seen a at a high level, healthy, and getting the basketball links in flowers. Dude can play. He's a well, nice player. Well, I don't even remember hearing his name last year. That's that's the weird thing. No, I, I remember the name vaguely, but when they played Northwestern for sure, I, I feel like I would have remembered seeing him out there, and I did not recognize him. I was like, who's this guy? And no. <laughs> clearly, clearly he's a big option. And they, they were in the game for a stretch where those two were on the bench, and they had a not-great lineup where Northwestern made a six seven-point lead, 15, 16, 18. So I... You know, we don't have to talk about that, but I did not really know what Coach Sorensen was doing because for a stretch, their offense was keeping up, and then yeah, they weren't. So they were, and then they weren't. That's uh, that's yep. yeah, sad, sadly how it goes sometimes for uh, some some teams. So it is what it is. But only other thing I would say on the men's side is, I, I mean, to me, Player of the Year comes down to Micah Filer and Kyle Kamen. Is there anybody else that you think deserves an opportunity? To me, it's those two. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy I've brought up who I think was in the conversation, but with what we've been talking about with Bethany, yeah, you split the weekend, but I I don't really know if you can point to anyone still being there, and Sagdahl was the guy I talked about, but, you know, a lot left to be desired for him and so many guys with what happened in St. Bonnie on Friday night, and then, yeah, Saturday you got the win against Morris, but nothing screams off the page, so... I, I would probably agree with you. I mean, it, it feels like it's it's a two-horse race between those two. feel like that game for North Central against Bethany on Saturday, knowing what could potentially be on the line, could be the game for Micah Filer to secure it. You know what I mean? If he were to just explode and, and let's say they win that game and make the playoffs or something, be tough not to give it to him. So I, I think he definitely controls his own destiny. But Kyle, obviously a great option as well. But, yeah, it's kind of a two-horse race with those two. And, and and they'll have something on the line regardless. And that's what I said. You know, it'd be interesting if you got an honest opinion from Coach Becker. Like, what do you want? Like, how do you want Bethany to treat the game, I guess, is a better way to put it. I mean, you just want whatever leads to you having a win. But it's 98.4, 99.6% sure they're going to be – 
in it going into Saturday because they got Martin Luther on Friday. I mean, they got the good draw. Let's just be honest. Well, if you flip I, well, Northwestern and North Central, this is way different. Yes, no, absolutely. So we'll have to look up again. You don't have it on hand, I'm sure. I don't. The tie-breaking procedures. But as far as the tiebreaker goes right now in the standings with North Central and Morris, they split, didn't they, in the regular season? Yep. Unless I'm so, so then we'd have to go to the next tie-breaking procedure if they were to both let's say, end up going one and one next weekend. Because like you said, North Central is going to get Martin Luther on Friday, but then Morris gets Northland on Saturday. Let's say they both win those, and then they lose on the road against Superior and Bethany because North Central plays Bethany, Morris plays Superior. They're going to have the same record at eight and six. What happens in that case then? So we'll don't have you to, do the don't you do the teams above you? Is that one of the next ones? That was what's, one of what's them. Your record? I just remember we somehow got to a coin flip after going through like well, nine yeah. or ten tie breaking procedures. So thankfully we'll that's to, that's not happening. We'll, we'll have to look that back up again and, and refresh ourselves on that. But that's a very real possibility because you know Superior tough team to beat in general, especially on the road. That's what Morris has to do. And then North Central they got to play the number one team in the conference right now on the road on Saturday to end the season. So. You would assume they're not favored to win either of those games, and they're probably favored to win the other one. So I could very well see a scenario where a tiebreaker is going to have to come into play for those two. So first and foremost, North Central is a huge superior fan on Friday night to try and make sure they at least get that one-game lead going into Saturday. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be if I'm reading this correctly. It's cumulative record against all teams above those who are tied, which is what we're talking about after your head-to-head. So it's going to be whatever teams are above them. In that case, that they're both tied and it's nullified because they split against each other. So because then North Central's then it's complicated because North Central Morris both split with Northwestern. Uh, North Central swept Superior though. So I think North Central may have the leg then. All the more reason to root for Superior on friday night you know what i mean because i yep. and, and you know it would secure it then for sure at that point if that that is the next tie-breaking procedure because morris the first time they played superior correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure superior beat them didn't they yep yep that's where morris was riding in hot and they came back home and superior spoiled the party so and then they, uh, yeah. obviously neither of them have beat bethany so yep. you know that that so that's where north central has the advantage there so they are yep. uh they're actually sitting pretty good here if they can hold serve against martin luther basically they they're in if they hold serve against martin luther and morris loses to superior yep so there you go it may not I, actually I think matter you're correct on that yep. may not actually matter on saturday after all i guess which not to say i'm rooting for one team or the other so we get a little bit of drama on saturday but i wouldn't be opposed to it so Hopefully there's there's a reason, and I suppose you could throw Superior and Northwestern still into the mix because they could miss you know the tournament. Let's say if something were to go haywire, so there's a lot to be played out. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It could get very complicated. Our heads could be spinning by Saturday night. It's all right. Mine's already spinning. We got to move on. I'm uh, getting <laughs> getting off track here. We'll we'll save that for the preview and different stuff on the women's side of things. Though I want to start right back at the Erickson Center because you were in attendance and. The perfect season is officially over Northwestern Falls in overtime to Superior. Okay, you know, put the game against Northland, which Northland gave them a game on Friday night aside, but they get that win. So then they come in on, uh, well, it wasn't senior day, and they didn't do a presentation or anything, did they? So, honest to goodness, I heard from multiple people on Friday, and I was confirming it's not happening, it's not happening. Apparently, Saturday day of, they decided... 
yeah, actually, let's do it. Because oh some of her goodness. family was in town, and they were just like, let's call it graduate day. So they did do a little thing. So I guess there was. But it, it was graduate day. So, no, there was no senior day anyway. But they did do a little something. Anyway. Graduate day. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So they have a great fourth quarter, put themselves in a position here in overtime to, to come back and win the game after Superior was in front. They come up just short. Give me your thoughts on this one, how it kind of played out at the end. You know, we talked about it leading up to the game, and you had asked me what Superior needed to do to try and win. I said they needed to speed them up. Did they do that? And what were your thoughts from this one? No, they didn't speed them up. I mean, it was another instance of Northwestern getting paint touches. They would double every single time. Pardon the pun, they would swarm Northwestern. Western ball handlers, if they got into the lane, there's two, three defenders. And I don't know how many kick-out three balls they had where everyone was ready to explode in the gym and they missed. I mean, it felt like pulling teeth for a while after they made some early where they went on a stretch where they could not buy a three ball with anything that they offered at the bank. I mean, nothing would get them to make a three ball. And the only thing I remember is throughout the game, you'd say, wow, this has been so frustrating. For the quality of looks that they're getting and not able to cash in, and I don't know what it is why, and I don't want to take away from Superior where clearly that was their game plan. And they said it's going to be similar to what happened in our barn at the Mertz last month where Northwestern's going to shoot real bad from deep. Now they didn't shoot 7%, okay, like they did last month. They finished at 27% at 6 to 22 But still, it was like, you're going to have to beat us from that spot. And more times than not, they didn't. And give Superior credit for on the road being plus 9 on the glass. Because what happens when you allow open three balls and you're constantly double teaming and triple teaming in the paint? You're you're in a pretty good spot to get a rebound. I, yeah. You got that going for you. So if Northwestern misses, so long as you're, you know, putting a hat on a head and getting on a body, like you should come up with more rebounds than not. Northwestern shouldn't have many second chances. Yeah, that, that was a, a positive for them as well. Banking on Northwestern is not going to kill us from deep when they had every chance to do so. And then we're also not going to give them any second chances. So the Eagles got some timely ones late, absolutely, in the fourth quarter that gave them an opportunity. And they somehow found a way to get it to overtime when it was really frustrating for most of the evening. But I think the biggest question is what happens if they see him again? And maybe yeah. we shouldn't jump that far yet, but it, it is totally a possibility that a week from Wednesday night, being the 22nd of February, we have Northwestern hosting Superior, and they're playing for the third time this season, and everything's on the line then. And you know the Jackets would welcome that. Like I think they oh, like yeah. how they match up, and, and that's why when Superior plays Crown this weekend, man, oh, man, that is a massive, massive game at the Marts. Not that we're talking about that one yet. But here's how I would quickly sum this up then. Give Northwestern credit when it wasn't going their way at all. They weren't near their best, especially offensively. Their defense dig, dug in, excuse me, gave them a chance, and they found a way in the fourth quarter, like you said, to push them to a point where they could get into overtime. Now, many thought they had won the game, but Katie Dobson couldn't miss wherever she was getting looks from. A couple, yeah. couple of huge three balls. She had a, a baseline, Jay, with under 10 seconds left. Uh, it was actually just with two seconds left, I think, to tie the game up and send it into overtime after Northwestern had taken the lead late in the ball game, and then in uh, in overtime, it was the freshman off the bench, Elsa Olsen, with a couple big shots. So give give the Jackets credit. Like, clearly the game plan was squared away, zeroed in for Coach Carpenter and her staff, and 
they found a way to execute at a high level and there was some more you know refing shenanigans in a way in that game as there was in the men's as well and stuff happening in the stands and for the first time ever a fan being thrown out in the men's game and we don't have time for all that but it was an eventful day let's just put it that way and there was a stretch where there i think the ball exchanged hands three times back and forth in one possession where it stayed in play the whole time and each squad just kept picking off the other one so i it was wild. I mean, it was a very entertaining end of the game for a game. Football fans would say, I don't like watching this. This this is just, it's hard to watch. Shots sure. aren't being made. They're good looks, but there's no rhythm to this game right now, and it's not very fun. It, it kind of made up for it late in the game. Give Superior a ton of credit, and before I hand it back over to you, it's kind of looking like, in a way, based on how they reacted and then, you know, talking to some Northwestern coaches after the right away, taking a glass half full and saying, we knew we kind of wanted to get pushed at least once more before the postseason. Obviously we never hope we lose, but it's kind of a little bit of a weight off your shoulders. So my question for you, Wyatt, do you think in the long run, this actually does Northwestern some good? Sure. They have been nice. Don't get me wrong. But in some instances, can you paint this to be, this does us better as we look forward to the UMAC tournament in a few weeks. I think it is a good thing that they got pushed in this game. I don't look at it from the standpoint of whether they won or lost the game. My opinion would be different, though, because here's the deal. When you're playing at a you know level where you're going to go to the NCAA tournament and you got to win six games in a row, if you're undefeated going into the NCAA tournament and have to do that, it's a daunting task. You've been the number one team, let's say, all year. In the UMAC, where you only have to win two conference games in your conference tournament to do it, being undefeated is a little bit different than in a scenario where you know, you're know you going to the national tournament undefeated, if, if that makes sense. So I don't look at it from the standpoint that the loss will help them. I think the game itself will help them because you know they got pushed and maybe Superior exposed a couple of areas or did some things that they can be ready for, not only against them, but uh, against anybody they might face in the conference tournament. So the game itself made them better, I think, and it will help them in the long run as far as the result being a loss I I don't look at it that way personally so that's where I'm at with it it was a heck of a game and obviously when you lose a game when you're undefeated it's easy to take that stance and say well yeah I mean this is going to be good for us it's not that the loss is good for them it's that the game was good for them that's just my personal opinion with it yeah I don't have any disagreements that's uh that's totally valid and I think that's just the only thing I'm going to be looking for the next time if there is a next time when they play the Jackets whether that be in a semifinal or in the championship, if you're getting early looks, and especially early, if you miss six, eight to start the game, and it's you know a one of nine start, one of ten start, you start thinking, oh no, not again. I think that's the biggest thing I look for in the future. And yeah. there's people asking me during the game on on Saturday, hey, you guys should talk about this in your podcast. Like, what is it with this team that can't make three balls against Superior? How do you just how do you explain this happening twice? And this was before, you know, the game got in deeper and the Eagles made sure. some down the stretch. But, you know, just talking at halftime, and I was like, I don't know. I'd, could could I be mean, completely just, you know, random chance, too. It, yeah. it really could. Yep. And But I, I do think it's maybe in your head a bit again. If you do play him again and you're an Eagles supporter, coach, player, whatever, you just hope you can knock down 2-3 early. That would, that would do a world of good because otherwise the Jackets are kind of in your head again. So does this, and I don't maybe want to use the word reassure, but I don't know what else I can use to ask you this question, but 
Does this basically give you the sense that Northwestern has to beat themselves to lose? Because, I mean, you know, Megan McGowan and Lexi Hagen, they were 8 of 25 combined from the field. Like you said, as a team, they struggled to shoot the three, and they lost the game in overtime. So, if anything, does this just make you more confident in Northwestern leading up to the conference tournament or less confident now that they have a, a chink in their armor? Which way do you look at it? Yeah, the former, not the latter, and the fact that we know they're not going anywhere, and they yeah. get a pre- excuse me, they get a play at the friendly confines, and they're going to have to lose in their own building. Can it happen? Absolutely. But the biggest question you just asked: Do they have to beat themselves to lose? Yes. That's, I, I just think that's the reality. It had to be kind of a weird weekend with that being the end result, because then on Friday. Well, it was a big day for Northwestern. They win the conference. They win the conference. They're going to be the one seed, like you said, officially, I guess, technically. They already were going to be the one. But they wrapped that up outright. And Coach Call becomes the winningest coach in program history. So that had to have been a pretty cool moment kind of on Friday night, I'm sure. Yeah, he talked about it even after the game Saturday. He said there was just a little bit of that hangover effect going into this ballgame. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but... And I don't know how you got around that Saturday. Now, they recovered and got to a place where they weren't shooting as cold as they were at the start of the game, and they got it going later like we talked about. But, yeah, just a total juxtaposition difference where immediately when you say outright regular season champs and we talk about the one seed and talk about all this stuff, I mean, where do most people's heads go? My my head goes to what are you going to do in the tournament? But it's like, meanwhile, you got a game tomorrow with a team coming in who is absolutely desperate who, much like what we talked about on the men's side, Wyatt, Superior lost a game on Friday that they really, really wanted to have. So they're even more motivated, even more in need of a win. And so, yeah, you like want to have that same level of desperation as the team coming into your building, but you don't. Like That's, that's the psychological thing you were talking about earlier. You, you cannot manufacture that in sports. Everyone in the building knew, and you'd be lying if you said, well, Northwestern has just as much motivation as Superior does going into this game. No, I'm, they want to win. Don't get me wrong. Like, that would have been nice. They prepare the same way. But with what happened the night before to both teams and where they were sitting at coming in, mm-hmm. Superior had a lot more to play for. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And I don't think we have even talked about that enough as far as the desperation factor that they had coming into the game and just what this does for their playoff chances keeps them right in the hunt. Whereas if they lose this game, it's a horrible weekend for them. And uh, they, they really have some ground to make up. And you start to question if they even could do that heading into this final weekend. And the big reason why is because, well, look at what Crown did. They were 4-6 and six coming into the weekend, and they won two games. Now, wasn't necessarily the prettiest at times, but they won They won by a combined seven points. But, hey, guess what, Ryan? They went 2-0, and, oh, and that's all that matters. What a weekend for the Polars, starting with the win against Bethany on Friday night, a team that is competing against them for a playoff spot. Yeah, what a weekend at the WAC. I mean, what a Friday night combined with what their squads did and then rolling into Saturday as well, and... Yeah, I mean, returning the favor against some clubs, and you talk about Bethany and how they were on a run before they lost to them on the road a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter by how much you said it perfectly, Wyatt. It just matters that you got it done, period. And I don't think a lot of people thought it was going to be as close as it was on Saturday. But, hey, you'll take it. And, you know, the roller coaster ride continues for Bethany where we can't figure it out. And you and I just said when teams are so tight, we're going to lean to the side that didn't win the last time. And now they're coming home. And, you get somebody like Isabel Sager to probably play her best game of the season to lead the way where, 
you know, Latsky does a decent amount, but Amy Martius doesn't do a whole lot. Maddie Hecox is maybe her worst conference game of the season. Like, yeah, she had seven rebounds, but she turns the ball over five times and scores two points. I mean, yeah. if, if I were to tell you that going into the game against Bethany that Hecox is going to do that, I mean, not, you, not you probably think they have no not, chance to win. Not a chance that they're winning. I wouldn't even said they were going to keep it in single digits. Yeah. So that may, uh, when we talk about things maybe moving forward, that it's actually a positive from a negative. You can take positives from a win where there was still some negative in it. So, you know, that makes it hurt all the much more, I think, for Bethany, too, where you're able to shut down Hecox and it still doesn't matter. Well, and we've talked about Bethany, and I think you were the one that said it. They're a Saturday team, it seems like, in, in the UMAC. However, that was not the case for them this weekend either. They kind of played themselves out of a playoff spot with the way things went. So it was a brutal weekend for them, great weekend for Crown. We mentioned it was a must-win against Bethany on Friday night, and they got it done. And then you come back on Saturday riding high with the win, and again, you get pushed to the absolute edge but you find a way to get it done. You survive the fourth quarter comeback from Martin Luther, and you score 75 and go 2-0 on the weekend. they got to be feeling really good about their chances now getting to 6-6, six and six, all things considered, heading into the final weekend now. Yeah, I like how you said how they're riding in moving forward because we talked about how their tires were losing air and they were you know, at risk of riding a unicycle. They're back on the tricycle, Wyatt, moving okay. into the final weekend. So job well done for Crone. I'm happy to hear that. Happy to hear they're back on the uh, tricycle and ready to roll. So that's good. But, yeah, no, lots of different people stepping up for them, too, when they needed to. They had four different players score double digits in the game against Martin Luther. And, uh, again, for the Knights, just another tough, close loss. That's kind of the way their season has gone. There have been opportunities for them. They just have never really seemed to have anything go their way. So now then we talked about Bethany a little bit. Was this more about Morris then on their result on Saturday, losing that one by 19, or more about Bethany? Because we've said that, you know, Bethany is a tough team to figure out. And then on the flip side, keep in mind, Morris is still the second-best team in this conference from the standpoint they've won eight of their last nine conference games, and they're rolling. I mean, outside of that one game against Northwestern, they haven't really even had that close of a contest in any of these other wins. So is this more about just Morris being Morris or another disappointing game from Bethany, or is it a little bit of both even? Yeah, it is for sure both, but I would say it's much more about Morris being Morris, and it's just reiterating the fact that they got bench options that really only Northwestern has in this league. I mean, they got depth that they've been able to develop throughout the back half of this season. It's like every single game, either Brownot or Red Thunder is going to put up double digits off the bench. So that's the biggest thing with them, Wyatt, is they got so many different people that are stepping up in those two specifically when they've gone over this stretch of the last 10 games that you mentioned where they've been so dynamite and only had a couple blips on the radar, it's because one of them is stepping up each and every night or afternoon, and you know that you're going to get scoring off the bench, which is huge for this team moving forward. So, yeah, I think they got to like the place that they're in, and they just hoping they're on a path in a collision course to see Northwestern once more at the Erickson Saturday on the Saturday, not this Saturday, that is, but Saturday the 25th, excuse me, uh, when it all matters. So you've got uh, three things that depth does for you. One, like you said, you provide bench scoring, which is huge. Two, it doesn't really affect foul concern all that much. I mean, obviously you don't want players getting into foul trouble, but you know if they do, you have players to replace them. And then three, it uh, also gives players an opportunity to get more rest and maybe stay fresher. I mean, they're not really playing anybody it seems like over more than 30, 34, somewhere in that range per game, which a lot of teams always at least have one or two, it seems like, 
that get up there typically if the game is close. But for them, they, they're able to keep everybody fresh down the stretch. So that's that's huge. And it also matches up with Northwestern well, like you said, because of the depth they have. So, yeah, I think they're hoping to just be on that collision course and get that opportunity again and crack at Northwestern, the other team that they have to worry about because basically it's slotted in as the 2-3. It's just a matter of who's going to be home is North Central because North Central had a huge weekend as well, beating Superior on Friday night and then no issues with Northland on Saturday, which I don't think surprises anybody. So I don't know. North Central's an interesting team. Don't get me wrong. I've been on them all year, Ryan, and I know you know initially you were concerned and you had right reasons to be concerned about them coming into the year. They seem like a really weird and just non like threatening eight and four team right now for some reason like we're not talking about them does that make sense yeah it does and uh there's going to be people that continue to say you know while they've been telling it to me all year that i don't have enough respect for them but i'm you know talking about the bench stuff wide i should give them some love as well for what they've been doing as Mm -hmm. of late they are getting deeper and deeper especially with the underclassmen they have coming off the bench I mean, give it up for Bryce Brewster, the freshman out of Burnsville, UMAC Player of the Week. I mean, yep. she was dynamite on Saturday in their win against Northland, and then you look at a game on Friday night against Superior that was really tight as well. Yeah, it's not her in that game scoring the most, but she's putting up 13 points. You got Kayla Hola off the bench dropping 18 and 12 yep. with four blocks. I mean, that's a huge difference when we're talking about a Northwestern, who we've said it multiple times, Morris, what they've done in this last stretch of 10 games, and then North Central to throw into that group as well. You take it to the next level when you have bench scoring, and you make so many good points with what bench scoring does for you for a team like Morris. Hey, when you have bench scoring, you can be more aggressive. That means you can get in more foul trouble. And when I look at teams like Morris, they especially pop off the page. They always have that wild card. If they get behind and they need to press a button, they got a press that they can throw at you that makes it really, really tough, and they got good length. So all that comes into play when we get potentially into playoff time and one of these teams, let's just say, is at the Erickson Center and it's a semifinal or championship and you're down eight points going into the fourth quarter. How do you turn the dial? Yeah. Do you have that ability to show some pressure because then everything can change? And I, I think that's why these three are on a different level. I know Superior beat Northwestern. The matchup feels totally different they don't necessarily do it in that way though if that makes sense like their modus operandi and their path to victory to beating northwestern is a lot different than north central and morris how they match up with them in my opinion yeah no i hear you and it it is interesting though so like when you look at morris and north central right now in the two three and again, North Central's doing great things, and they got people coming off the bench, and, and there is a lot to like, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful by any means, but for whatever reason, I, I feel like I'm way more confident in Morris than I am North Central for some reason. It's like North Central's just there. Like, they're winning the games, but they're not really, there's nothing about it that's that impressive for some reason. I don't know. That's that's just the sense I get. Again, I'm yeah. not trying to be disrespectful, but Morris, like, things pop off the paper and when you watch it, and I, I don't know, it's not the case with North Central for some reason. That's just the way I look at it. It'll be an interesting 2-3 matchup, but I think it's crucial North Central somehow gets to play that game at home. I, I really do. I, I think they got to find a way. If they want to beat Morris in that semifinal game, again, assuming, which I, I don't even think it's possible for it not to be those two in the 2-3, they're going to have to find a way to get up to the two-seed, which means they got to find a way to go on the road and win two games. Morris could certainly drop a game as well in this final weekend, 
But, uh, you know, if, if North Central were to lose even just one, that would uh, really hurt their chances of potentially getting the two seed. And I don't think they can beat Morris on the road, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you say all that about how more it was the Saturday before Morris dominated him 57 to 40. So when you say all this stuff, I mean, that's, I think, what you're thinking of in the back of your head. Could on be. A second half of a back-to-back where there was so much at stake for both of those clubs, I mean, Morris won handily. So that's, I think, what you're thinking about most. Is there anything else specifically from this weekend of games? We touched on Northland a little bit in their results. Not a whole lot to mention there with them. Same with Martin Luther. I mean, they lost to Morris Friday. Talked about them against Crown. It was a tough one. They've had their opportunities, just haven't put it together. There's really six teams at this point, though, going for those four spots. And again, Bethany, at this point, I think it's safe to say they're going to have to win both of their games, get some help to get in. Superior Crown, both 6 and 6 they're just yeah, it's it's going to be really compelling here in this final two games because crown is at northland and then they get a chance to go like you said at superior so superior hosting morris is that game even going to mean anything i guess is what i want to ask you because what was the first result between superior and crown that's what really matters at this point crown one crown one at the whack so then it would go through the tie-breaking procedure. So I guess, it, I guess it would matter if Superior, assuming Crown beats Northland, if Morris were to beat Superior and then Superior is able to win and, you know, the records are 7-7, seven and seven, then the tie-breaking procedure would come into play. So that game for Superior against Morris does matter at home leading into the game against Crown. So both games going to be huge for them this weekend. That'll be a lot of fun, but... Yeah, I guess for Bethany, that's the worst possible thing you could see is that your two teams are trying to catch play each other, and you also got to play Northwestern this weekend. So not a very good draw for them. On top of that, North Central as well. Do you think Bethany, for the most part, is out of it? Do you see do you see them making any kind of a move? I, I feel like it's, it's going to take just so much to go their way. I, I just don't see how it's going to happen for them. Yeah, it feels like too much has to take place for them. I mean, it's still possible, and we'll know a lot more after Friday. But, I mean, the biggest thing that's interesting is how does Northwestern treat that? Like, and again, we'll talk about this in the preview too, but just, you know, quick five seconds on it. They want to win, I think, because they want to go into the postseason tournament on a high note. Like, you just lost Mm -hmm. a game. But at the same time, you could say there's nothing at stake for them. But you want to win a ball game and get back in the right direction and you don't want to just leave it until the last game of the season against Martin Luther. So I don't think we should expect anything but Northwestern looking to bounce back and get a win in that game and ride into the conference tournament with some more, you know, mojo. Not that they're totally down on themselves right now, but yeah, I would just say, and we'll talk about this in the preview as well, don't be deceived, excuse me, by the three and nine for Northland. In their own barn, with those two games to play, like we talk about Crown Superior, that's going to be a great game on Saturday. They both got to work on Friday. And yeah. both Crown and Morris going into the Kendrigan Center, that's not close to an easy game against a team who's out of playoff picture. Just chalk it up. I mean, we know they can score the basketball, and especially in that building. So you better you better be ready to go. I mean, for both Superior and Crown, when we talk about those two, obviously they play each other. I get it. But both of them... They got to be really locked in and dialed when we get to late Friday night and then obviously Saturday when they play each other as well. That's the nice thing about this final weekend, Wyatt, in so many instances. You're going to have to earn it. And kind of going back to what Coach Polkowski told us last weekend, nothing's going to be handed to us. 
you're going to have to go out there and earn it in this league that's unlike any other. Absolutely. Great stuff. Really looking forward to breaking down all these games too, which we will do uh, ahead of them next weekend. Lastly, on the women's side, I guess, as far as player of the year goes, since we talked about it on the men's side, uh, Lexi Hagen at this point. I mean, Miranda Wagner continues to score at a really high clip. Can you give it? To a player on a team that's three and nine, though, that's that's kind of where I'm at, I guess, with it. So, I what what are your thoughts on where the player of the year race is on the women's side in the UMAC? Just quickly. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think it's going to go to someone where they're three and nine. I mean, it felt like she could put up 30, 35 with the start she had at Northwestern on Friday, and then from the first quarter on, I mean, she got in foul trouble and she just she did nothing. It was remarkable with how good the start of her game was, and then she did nothing later on, but. Yeah, it feels that way. And Northwestern didn't have any, you know, exact explosions, but you watch it and she had big shots down the stretch against Superior, that being Lexi Hagen. They didn't win the game, but she looks the part. I'll say that. Sure. There's just, I don't know, it's a weird year because it's not like there's anybody else that really comes to mind from some of these other teams. Everybody's just so balanced. So it's not like there's elite one or two players on each team. Whereas on the men's side, I mean, sure, there's balance, but there's definitely those guys that stand out a little bit more. It's not really the case on the women's side, so it makes it interesting, I guess. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. So, yeah, if uh, nothing else, we can leave it there. If you want to get involved, as always, feel free to uh, give us a uh, uh, email at uaotheumac.gmail.com. You can also uh, send us a DM on Twitter, follow us there. Uh, we'll post all the links to the podcast on there, some other content, things like that. So uh, be looking for us on there as well. Like I said, we'll uh, have a re- uh, preview coming up for the final weekend of uh, regular season action, then a uh, loaded week as we prepare for the conference tournament and uh, get ready for those showdowns. So that should be a ton of fun as well. We'll also have an interview with a special guest coming your way later this week as well. So be listening for that. Looking forward to it and marching along to the finish in this conference that truly is unlike any other.